Welcome to Soaring with Eagles with your host, Crystal Richardson, a.k.a. Sergeant K. Each week, we hear from Crystal and her successful guests as they share their triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a full life complete with financial freedom laced with fun and fulfillment. Crystal takes a controversial and edgy approach to unveil interesting facts about millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, and how they have accomplished life success while giving back. Now, here is Crystal Richardson. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Soaring with Eagles. We are happy to be with you again today. We have a great show in store for you. We are with the one and only John Shin. So we thank you for being on with us, and uh, we want to go ahead and, and just jump into uh, a few questions. And so uh, you have just come off of the first leg, I believe, of the Think and Grow Rich uh, World Tour, right? Yes, we just had it this weekend at the Anaheim Convention Center, and everybody is still recovering. It's been a crazy weekend. I think I lost my voice from this event. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you being on this interview so so soon after after doing that, and I heard it was phenomenal. There was uh, people that were you know saying that I needed to be at that one. You, you're going to be in Phoenix, though, coming up here pretty soon. I'm in the Phoenix area, and uh, you have a number of cities already outlined uh, here in the United States and, and globally as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we're actually uh, this coming in two weeks. Let's say not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, we'll be in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the we'll have some amazing speakers there. We've got Mario Lopez coming in and hosting as well. And then the following week after that, we'll have uh, uh, San Diego. And then after that, we'll be up in Northern Cal. And then from there, we're coming to Phoenix. Right, right. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. So uh, I wanted to just uh, share a little bit uh, with people, um, you know, ab- about who you are and, and, and your story. And, and uh, you know, we, we've heard of uh, Think and Grow Rich Asia, and you, you have another one, um, How Rich Asians Think, and some, some other books that you have out. Uh, can you just give people just a, a, a general overview of, of, of who John Chen is? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> basically, I uh, my parents are from Asia, from South Korea, and mm-hmm. uh, they came here to the United States in the late 60s, and then from there, you know, the parents, I think the Asian culture, they're, we're taught to be very respectful, right? So number right. one, you know, the idea of talking back to your parents, growing up as a kid, I had no desire to become a doctor or a lawyer, but you mm-hmm. can't tell your parents that that's not what you want to be when their dream was to come here and have their children become doctors or lawyers, right? Right. So one is respect. Two is obedience. You just can't talk back. I mean, I guess you can talk back, but you're going to get a whipping, right? You know? (laughs) So so anyway, uh, yeah, Tiger Mom will give you a lesson about obedience very quickly here. Mm -hmm. So... So anyway, so I went to law school, came out of law school, absolutely hated what I was doing, but I did it because, you know, I had to make my parents happy and be proud. So from there, you know, I, I, I uh, met my wife in law school and she was in the financial industry. So we got started in the financial industry in the early 90s. And then from there, we started building one office after another, one office after another. And now we got a few hundred of those offices throughout the country. And that was our core business, you know, and we we're very happy with our our mission and our purpose and, you know, our, our income and was like, well, what was next? You know? And so, you know, I had some friends that attended some seminars and they said, John, what do you think about going to real estate? 
So, you know, we started buying some real estate with them and we got into the single family home residence and then we hated that. You know, that's like a big, you know, it's like a babysitting business of, of, uh, of renters. And then right. from there we got, we got into commercial and uh, commercial was great. We did very well there. And now, you know, we own a few hundred million dollars of commercial real estate and that was it. And then we uh, disappeared off the face of the planet. And then we went uh, uh, around the world, you know, just traveling and came back and then decided what, what's next for us. So then we, uh, we decided, a friend of mine named Jeff called and he said, hey, John, do you want to go to a third world country with me? And I said, why, why would we go to a third world country? And he said, because uh, I don't know. I want to go see how bad it really is. So he had gone to a country called Nicaragua. Okay. So I went to Nicaragua. Nicaragua, and we saw the poverty and these children that were suffering and uh, the lack of food, water, just clothing, just the absolute bare necessities. And so, you know, we felt like there was something, I mean, we had to do something, you know, we just couldn't sit back and not be able to see, you know, these children, the way they were living. And so we started our own charity called the All for One Foundation, and we built up 10, uh, not, uh, 10 uh, what do you call it, uh, child prosperity centers which is a big fancy word for orphanages uh, around the world and in six different countries. And then um, that was it. I mean, we're still going today. We raise money and uh, nobody gets paid. And everybody's a 100% uh, everything we raise goes to work. We cover all the expenses out of our own pocket. And um, that was it. Then what ended up happening is uh, we got interviewed by Forbes magazine and one thing led to another and, we ended up donating money to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And then from there, excuse me, we made a book. I mean, we, actually, we made a movie first called right. Thinking Grow Rich, The Legacy. Right. And then that went crazy, you know. And then I went on a tour about the movie. And then I got booked for some speaking events. So I guess I got booked as a professional speaker for the first time. And, and then from there, um, people were asking me, what, the, what was the name of my book? And uh, I didn't have a book. So I came home and decided to write a book. And it's crazy that in 1996 that I read a book with my wife called Think and Grow Rich. And who would have thought that 25, 26 years later that I'd be writing a modern day version of Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And um, the book just came out. We literally got the books, I think, on Saturday afternoon. It got, oh, wow. shipped, directly, it got shipped to the event. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like the first time that we were now selling books for the very first time and people who had pre-ordered got their book. It's really, really cool. It's actually called, check it out. It's called how rich Asians think, which is pretty fun, you know? And, uh, Hey, it's selling like hotcakes right now. We're going around the world in 12 countries and 50 cities. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty exciting. So here we are now, you know, we're doing podcasts almost every single day and, uh, excited to be, you know, around people like you all the time, you know? Well, that's excellent. And yeah, I have to get my copy, I guess, when you when you come to Phoenix. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so let's let's talk about this tour and then we're going to get into some more about you and, and what you did when you were six years old, eight years old and and some other things that that uh, that um, I really want to get into, you know, just to, to tell people you know, how people actually get started on their, on their journey. But uh, before we get into that, let, let's talk about the tour. So you have some amazing people uh, that are a part of this. And I know Greg Reed, he's, he's been on the show uh, and he's, 
uh, been commissioned by the Napoleon Hill Foundation, you know, with some of his works that he's done from a book perspective. And, and you've also been been chosen by the foundation to to do some of the works as well. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Sharon Lecter, and I think Sharon's also been on your show, and Sharon and Greg Reed both have been amazing. I mean, both of them have been so supportive as well. They've been, when I first told them I'm doing the movie, they were both in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, when he said, I'm, I'm doing my book, they both called and said, hey, how can we help you with your book? And uh, They've been tremendous, you know, counselors, and they didn't have to. You know, they never asked me for money, and uh, they never asked me for anything. They just said, what can we do? <clears throat> Gosh, I apologize for my voice. You don't have to apologize. You've been yelling and screaming and speaking all weekend. So <laughs> it's to be expected. Yeah, um, thank you. So they just called just with, you know, unselfishly and said, <clears throat> what can we do to help you out? So uh, they've been very generous in every capacity. I, I can't even ask for two amazing people to help me with the guidance of the book. And so, um, you know, we've got amazing speakers like them. They just spoke this weekend. Sharon, Sharon Lecter will most likely be at all the events, uh, except for one. She's doing a big family function. But other than that, she'll be at all the events. Okay. Uh, Greg, Reed, Greg Reed right now is launching his movie called The Make-A-Wish. Uh, it's called The Wishman Movie. The Wish so Man. that's, <clears throat> yeah, which is a story in a movie about the whole, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and, and so it's just a beautifully well-done movie as well. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, go. I'm actually going to be at the premiere, and Frank uh, Shankowitz was my first guest back in October uh, when I oh, launched yeah. this show. So he's an amazing, amazing guy, and uh, Andrew Steele, he's, he's been on the show. He's obviously, you know, the main actor. So are you going to be at the premiere in June? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to try to get there. In fact, I was just with Andrew uh, this weekend, actually. Oh, cool, <clears throat> cool. Yeah, so he's a really great guy with some some really great give back models as well. And and that's what I look for, you know, with people on the show. It's not just the millionaire, billionaire mindset and, and what people have done to, to make it to where they are. But what are they doing for the community? What are they doing for the world? So uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, your philanthropy and some things that you've done uh with going to the third world countries and, and, and establishing that foundation. So I just wanted to um, honor you for that and just thank you for, for what you're doing to, to give back. A lot of people are, are all into the, themselves when they find, you know, um, even just a, a little bit of, of fame and fortune. And so uh, I really like to, to honor people that are, are, are looking at what they can do for the world. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. So um, let's, let's go to uh, after break. We're going to take our first break. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about your childhood and uh, some of the things that uh, seem pretty interesting to me about, about your journey. Um, and okay. that's what we're going to do next. And so uh, thank you, Voice America, and those who are potentially on uh, Facebook Live as well. We thank you for listening to the first segment, and we will be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Join us. Sponsor us. Provide internships for us. Echelon Leadership Institute open enrollment starts in January for our summer leadership and business boot camp. Students ages 7 to 12 can enroll in Echelon Junior, ages 13 to 21 in Echelon Core. Get enrolled and gain the edge you need to succeed. Echelon Leadership Institute. Join us this summer because mediocrity is not an option. Go to G3QARA.com or call 480-227-9743 today. Want to shift someone's destiny? Calling all CPAs, a.k.a. community and corporate partners in action. Become a community liaison or a corporate sponsor for our Give Hope Drives for the homeless and needy families. Donate tax-deductible funds, food, blankets, and books. Sponsor and serve our monthly luncheon, mentor a youth, or go on a foreign mission and make a difference. Contact our Soaring with Eagles radio show host, Crystal, at your team at buildthatbiz.com or visit our nonprofit page at fullcolormovement.com. Stop wasting your time on things that don't matter. Let's get to work and turn your dreams into reality. Adults, teens, people of all ages. If you are a speaker, entrepreneur, inventor, or author, contact Crystal Richardson today to get your business started, get your invention developed and launched, get your book written, and more. Crystal and the Build That Biz team are ready to catapult your ideas from dreams to reality. Call 480-227-9743. Get ready to soar. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Soaring with Eagles with Crystal Richardson. Now, back to our show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to our next segment of Soaring with Eagles. We're happy to be here with John Shen, who is on his world tour for Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. So he's made a movie, he's made books, he's, he's done a lot of speaking engagements uh, related to just the mindset. And now he has a book that just came out fresh off the press on, I guess, this Saturday, uh, How Rich Asians Think. Now, we, we all need to, to probably read that whether we're Asian or not. So it would be a great book, a, a great read. So I'm looking forward to, to getting that. And to uh, meet you again uh, in in Phoenix when you come for the for the tour. So uh, if you go to, can you give everyone the site? I don't want to mess up the site name so that they can get more information about the tour and uh, see where you'll be. Sure, uh, it's uh, tgrworldtour.com. Tgrworldtour.com. And yeah, I mean, we've got ticket prices there as low as like $69, $89 for students. And, uh, you know, they've got big group packages at $2,500 for, you know, companies, associations, institutes for, you know, bulk packages of 25 or more. So that's excellent. Excellent. And so if, if I come as like your private press, John, then, uh, you know, we can, we can work out something as me being your private press in, in Phoenix, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, you get a VIP pass. That's what you get. Okay. Okay. So um, one of the things I, I like to talk about is people's journey. So what we, we mentioned before break is that we would um, talk a little bit about your childhood and, um, you know, just reading, you know, about some things that uh, when you were six years old, eight years old and being bullied and, and some other things, I actually uh, have uh, gone through that same thing uh, my whole life uh, through school. So can can you tell people... Uh, 
a little bit about that. And uh, you started some businesses when you were very young. Yeah, I mean, so I grew up in Glendale, California. And I think there were about two Asians in the entire city. And oh, wow. that's my, yeah, my sister and I, and that was it. You know, oh. and, <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, it's sad. It's really sad that, you know, people didn't understand the diversity of different ethnicity out there. You know, I mean, kids would walk up to me and say, hey, you know, can, can you see me? And I would be looking right at them and I'm looking at these silly kids and go, what is he talking about? You know, or what is she talking about? They must be stupid, you know. That, I mean, that's what I was going through in my mind because wow. they're looking at me. I don't have a white cane. I'm not wearing black glasses. I don't. I can see everybody. I'm walking by myself. Why? Why would they even ask me such a silly question, you know? And so, I was curious, and I didn't understand. Even the teachers uh, would call my parents in for parent-teacher conferences and say, "Hey, uh, you know, your son has a learning disability." And so they, they told them that they wanted to put me in these special classes. So I was actually in these other classes with, you know, children who truly did have learning disabilities. And I hung out with them, uh, you know, for a few years because my, you know, the teachers actually put me in these learning disability court classes. And so my parents, you know, who were devastated by this news basically said, hey, let's get them a tutor. So they got me a tutor and the tutor started working with me. And then when they realized was that I didn't have a learning disability, but I just didn't understand English, right? So there's a big difference between having a disability and right. not being able to understand English. Right. Once I understood English, I mean, you know, I excelled, you know, uh, pretty quickly because I had a tutor at home and the tutors were actually teaching me better than some of these teachers were in school. But even the, even the teachers were, you know, somewhat racist, you know, they, they were, uh, you know, they didn't want me to be in their classrooms, you know, I mean, that's just the way... Uh, I grew up. So elementary school was pretty, was a very rough upbringing. And as a result of that though, what ended up happening is my parents actually put me in martial arts. And okay. I think, yeah. So I was in martial arts by the time I was five years old. And, you know, cause I mean, I was getting bullied at preschool, you know? So, and I got put in preschool, not because, you know, I was going to get more education. Just the parents were working two jobs. And they didn't know what to do with their kid, and they, didn't have, they couldn't afford a babysitter, so they put me in preschool, right? So I was getting picked on in there, and so long story short, I got, you know, my parents put me in martial arts. And martial arts absolutely changed my life because, you know, in martial arts where they teach you about the mind, um, everything about, you know, the three things that our, our master taught us was, number one, to always be respectful, you know, respect. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we, we were raised with the word respect. And it's unfortunate today the word respect uh, almost seems to be uh, extinct in, this, in our society today. You know, I mean, I see the way that children treat their parents. I see the way they treat their uh, teachers and, their, right. and just, you know, the, the elderly. And, you know, we were, tr we were trained to, to be so respectful of older, you know, elderly people, you know, but... It's just a different world we live in today. But number two is patience, you know, just be patient all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, number three is to be humble. Uh, I'm still working on that one just a little bit sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, and then just, it's just to be strong, you know, to be confident, uh, you know, just the things that you can do, you know, breaking boards. You know, as a kid growing up, you know, they're asking you to take your fist or your feet and smash it through one, two, three, four, five, ten 
you know, different pieces of boards combined and you never think you could do it. But then once that happens, you know, you, you start to go, wow, I'm, I'm, there's nothing that can't stop me. So martial arts has had a huge influence in my life. So mm-hmm. I would recommend it to everybody out there. Right. For your confidence. And then just uh, also, uh, did you end up having to use any of the martial arts on any of the people that were bullying you? Uh, unfortunately I did. I had to because, oh, wow. you know, yeah, because I actually, uh, was riding my bike. Well, what ended up happening was, I don't remember if you remember, there was little chocolate bars, like fundraiser chocolate bars that you can actually, uh, sell and fundraise. Yes. And, yes. and uh, you know, I've always been a very competitive guy, I think from the day I was born. And so when they said, Hey, there's a booklet and whoever sells the most amount of chocolate can go into these books. And then from those books, you can choose, like, different prizes. Well, I always wanted a bike, but I felt so bad to ask my own parents, you know, for money to buy me a bike. And okay. so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this bike on my own. And so I actually went and sold chocolate like there was no tomorrow, you know. And I'd go door knocking door to door and tell people, how you doing, sir? You know, I'm here to, uh, for a fundraiser. I've got this chocolate bar. Uh, would you like to buy two of these? or three. And, um, and they would say, well, why? And I said, well, because I only, I don't have any change and I'm hoping that you'd like to just buy them both, you know, or whatever. What ended up happening is, um, people would give me a $5 bill. Anytime somebody gave me a $5 bill, I said, um, you know, would you, I said, would you like to buy five? Because I don't have any change. You know, and they said, yeah, that's fine, kid. I'll, I'll take five chocolates. <laughs> so, I actually, I start, so I started selling them in bulk, you know. Next thing I know, I was a number one seller. But then what happened was I beat everybody, you know, fair and square. I sold the most amount of chocolate. But the losers that didn't win got mad. And when I won my bike, they chased me down while I was riding my bike home. And they kicked me off my bike. And then they started destroying my, my, my bicycle because I won the bike and they did it. So, um, unfortunately, you know, I I sat there and watched them destroy my bike and then they came over to me to have a little conversation with me and I can tell it wasn't going to be just verbal, you know, you know, a, a conversation about, you know, how I, I earned the bike and how I did so many chocolate sales. But, you know, as soon as I knew one guy was to put the land, but was going to take a shot at me, I had to do what I had to do, what I was trained to do, and that was it. And then the word got out, like, this guy knows martial arts. You better watch out. He's a kung fu master. And, you know, so that was the first and only time that I actually got, you know, you know physically, con- you know, confronted because I started How to- old were you? I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? So, mm-hmm. but. And then the crazy thing is later in, uh, what was it? In my first year of high school, those kids actually became some of my good friends. Not my best friends, but they became some pretty good friends. So there's hope in every situation. Well, because they respected you because you stood up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, of course, they came down and started taking martial arts classes at our school as well. (laughs) And so Friday was great. Friday was free sparring day. So uh, I uh, took it out on them just a little bit on Fridays. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. Yeah, that's an interesting story. So, uh, so yeah, so that was your, your first bout at uh, selling. And uh, and uh, maybe the fair and square part, maybe I could question that based on, you know, you saying you didn't have change. But, 
but but you were you were you made number one so you got that bike that's great yeah exactly exactly you know <laughs> um did did was it i don't want to spend too much time on it but did you get the bike repaired or did you have to get another bike i was just curious on that uh no we that bike but was pretty much destroyed i mean the frame was intact but i mean the bicycle handles they mangled it and they broke all the spokes inside the bicycles. I mean, it was oh, pretty wow. much destroyed, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Wow. Yeah, kids can be cruel. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Think and Grow Rich. And so yes. the philosophies of Napoleon Hill, uh, I talk about them on my show, you know, a, a number of times. Uh, I had several shows, you know, dedicated uh, to him actually and had someone on portraying Napoleon Hill at, at one point. Uh, that was a pretty fun show. But what, what are some of the main, like what would be, if you had to pick one, one philosophy uh, of Napoleon Hill that would be the number one thing, what would that be? Ooh, you know, there's so many good ones, but I think the one I like for me is decide, decision. You know, when you look at the word decide, the word D-E means, you know, day, day means to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the word side, C-I-D-E, means to die, right? That's why we have pesticide, suicide, homicide, right? Okay. So one is do and the other one is die. It's a, it's, a, it's a do or die. Whatever you want, make a decision and just do it, you know? And it's a do or die decision, every decision you make. So mm-hmm. for me, I've always just been one that makes decisions quickly, and I think too many people ponder on it and too many people, you know, analyze it. You know, there's a phrase or a, or a quote that uh, analysis is paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, when you analyze things too much, you just don't ever do it. You always look at uh, all the, the reasons why something can't work. And then you right. go and you seek counsel from people who've never done anything, right? And so you're asking people about advice, but what have they done, you know? So even when we started our financial company, everybody said, don't do it. You're crazy. And I said, well, have you ever done anything like this? No. Well, so how do you know it's not going to work? I, I just know, John, it's my, you know, I wouldn't do it. You know, go to college, get a degree and that's, and go get a job. It's guaranteed. You have guaranteed income, you know? And so it was just interesting who you take counsel from every day. And uh, I like the idea of having my own, you know, uh, gut, or as Napoleon Hills would say, he would call it the, the sixth sense. So I follow my sixth sense and I just call the shots. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why, you know, all good coaches or mentors, you know, talk about the fact that you need to surround yourself with like-minded people because, you know, the people who haven't done anything, you know, they're telling you that maybe, you, you know, not maybe, but why are you doing that or questioning why you're doing it or saying that you shouldn't do it and you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time. And it's just because they don't understand your passion. They don't understand, uh, you know, what your purpose is in life. And so you basically have to go on your own and, and do, uh, do, do what it is that is on your heart to do based on your, your purpose. That's right. Right. And then, uh, and then, like, um, like I mentioned, just surrounding yourself with people who have that same mentality. And uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of different things that, that I do as far as business is concerned, and uh, and even in my personal life. And being able to make quick decisions sometimes is is uncomfortable for people. But right. there's so much that that's going on that yeah, you have to be able to to think quick on your feet. So um, 
So decision, okay, that that's that's decide is is what you said. Decision decide. And uh, is there something that's similar, I guess, in your book uh, on how um, how rich Asians think? Is there like one main nugget, one main philosophy that that you would say is your favorite in in your book? Um, you know what? Yeah, I do, and I want to add a little bit more to the decision thing. Uh, okay. You know, have you ever, when I say decide too, you ever hear people say? Like if you're going to have a party, right, and you ever call a friend and say, hey, are you going to come over to my party? Are you coming? And, and you hear people say, I'll try, right? So trying is lying, right? So when you say I'll try, what does that mean? It's, they're not coming, right? I mean, the ones that say I'll try, they're going to come. And that's what I mean by making a decision. So even like just the littlest thing, like a party, that some people will say I'll try, and when they try, it's not going to happen. But if you go all out, if you really wanted to be at somebody's party, you would be there. Or you actually said, I'll try to not be, you know, to not be blunt and say, I'm not coming to that person. Right. I mean, so at the end of the day, like when I had my Cinco de Mayo party this weekend, you know, a lot of people just said, I said, hey, uh, you coming to my Cinco de Mayo party? And they said, yeah, John, I'll, I'll try. And I basically said, OK, cool. So you're not coming. All right, take care. We'll catch up next week. And they started laughing <laughs> because I know they're not coming. But the right. ones that said, I'm coming, they'll say, I'll see you there at certain such certain time. I'll be there by five. I'll be there by six. Right. right. So that's what I mean by just making a decision. You know, I'm going to be a business person. You know, if you're going to become a business person, you're either going to become a business person or you're not. Right. I mean, there's no in between. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. I mean, it's one or the other. Right. So just it's got to be that crystal clear for you and whatever you're trying to do. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, that's my personal me, opinion too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, here, like you're doing your own show, right? Your own uh, TV show and your own podcast show. And of course, why, why doesn't everybody do it? If they want to do it, do it, get it done. You know, don't think about it. You know, don't wonder, just get it done and uh, make it happen. You know, and look at you, you're getting some of the most amazing speakers on your show. And I'm so excited that you're putting on a show like this to reach the mass and have people learn. And, and, and that's what I love about this kind of stuff. I love the modern day technology today, you know. Yeah, it, it's so cool that we're able to get our messages out to so many, so many places. I think uh, this particular show, you know, we're in about 15 countries now and we've, we've reached thousands of people. And, and that's something that even with missions and business trips and other things I've done, I've reached thousands, but not as many as you can reach like with this technology. So, uh, and you're out there doing your thing. And I just really, really appreciate you taking time to, to be on and um, and just to share some of your your philosophy. So uh, you went back to the decide. Did we get to your point, main point in your book? I think we went back to the decide and you talked about try. Yeah, I want to talk about the book a little bit. I mean, um, you know, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough wrote the, the, he wrote a book called Thinking Grow Rich, A Black Choice, right? And uh, a guy named Lionel Soso wrote a book called Thinking Grow Rich for Latinos. Sharon Lecter wrote Thinking Grow Rich for Women. Right. And, and so now we have Thinking Grow Rich for Asians. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I interviewed a variety of different people. I, I interviewed, you know, Asian people, Latinos, uh, Middle Easterns, uh, white people, African-American people, Catholics, Christians, Buddhists, gay people, straight people. <laughs> I, I interviewed everybody, right? Okay. And one, of the, one of the things that people said is it says that uh, – you know, that you wrote, uh, it's, it's how rich Asians think. 
And it doesn't mean that only that I only interviewed Asian people, right? So I interviewed everybody, and here's why what I discovered is that that success doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter who you are, your color, your religion, or your sex, or your, your preference, you know. Uh, what doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Success. As long as you embrace the 13 principles of this book, then you will be successful, mm -hmm. right? But at the end of the day, I think it's all about what you think about up here. You know, it when is. Asians, yeah, the way the Asian community, you know, they come from their own countries and they immigrated to this country. And my folks always, my mother, always embedded into my head and said, we did not come to this country to screw up this opportunity, right? So we came here, most Asians did not come to this country because they're looking for the nice stores, the restaurants, the beaches, uh, or because of Disneyland or whatever. Every Asian person I know immigrated to this country with this concept that we call today the American dream, right? And that American dream, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King said in a speech, he said that, mo that, that most people, right, you know, the children are basically dreamers, right? Little young kids are dreamers, but it's the parents who hijack their own dreams. But he basically says that at the age of 20, he goes, he goes, he says, most people die. This is what he said. He goes, most people die at the age of 25 but we just don't bury them until they're 85, right? Because most people have given up on their dreams by the time they hit 25 years of age, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, if you ask the average of 10 people, if you ask 10 people, hey, how would you like to become a millionaire? Most people wouldn't even believe it, right? They can't even, you know, Napoleon Hill has a quote, right? And his famous quote is, whatever the mind can conceive, right? right and believe it can achieve. But right. like I, you know, I walked, you know, I walked up to this kid. He was actually serving tables at a restaurant, and I said, "Hey, I said, man, you are so friendly. You got such a great personality. You're so dynamic. I loved your service. You're constantly on, you know, working your tables." I said, "I said, you ever think about doing something else and and uh, making millions of dollars rather than just being a food server?" And he says, um, "Well, what would I do?" And I said, "Well, why don't you come work with me and start making some real money?" And he said, you want me to come work for you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, and make, start making a million? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so why me? And that was his question. He goes, why me? And so his self-image, his self-confidence, everything was so low. Yet, you know, on the outside, he's so excited about serving tables. I mean, I guess that's awesome that, you know, at least he's excited about doing what he was doing. But I said, most people just don't play at the level that they could be playing at. You know, and, and so I tell people, be careful what you think about, because whatever you think about will affect the way you feel, right? And then the way Correct. you feel will affect the way you act, and the way you act, like a full circle, right? So the way you act will determine your results, and then your results will be directly correlated to what you're thinking about. So whatever you can conceive and believe, you can achieve. You know, and then the key, you know, is all these people who have all these big dreams and they and all these different things that they want. But, you know, I've had so many people come to me and say, oh, my gosh, Sean, I was going to actually do a movie uh, on the book Thinking Grow Rich. And I said, well, why didn't you? Well, I mean, you know, you know, and I said, 
you know, a lot of people said 4.6 billion Asian people on this planet. And you're telling me not one single person called up the Napoleon Hill Foundation, right, and said, can I get the rights to do a book uh, called Think and Grow Rich for Asians, right? And so I, I, met, I met a bunch of these Asian people, and they said, I was going to call them up, and I was going to do it. Well, so well, why to. didn't yeah, well, why didn't you? Right. So the key, the key is act, right? right? ACT. And so there's two things. Number one, I want to go back to how uh, takeaway from me asking the Napoleon Hill Foundation to get the rights for the, the to to make the movie to get okay. the, the, the to write the book. They said, "What's the secret? What did you do?" And we said, "We asked." So you have to ask without fear. And most people are just fearful of asking somebody for help. You know, uh, there's a guy named Christopher Kai. Christopher Kai, he goes up and he asks, you know, he's so bold, he walks up to Elon Musk. And he says, Elon, I'd like to interview you, right? Uh, and I want to help, I want you to help me. He specifically says, I, can you help me help the children in California and, and, and give them some tools? And sure enough, Elon Musk said yes. So this guy, Christopher Kai, got Elon Musk to start a child charity, you know, for children here in California. And what an amazing thing. So, again, it's ask without fear. You know, right. uh, when I asked my wife to marry me, right, I got down on my knees and I basically closed her, right? I asked without fear and I said, uh -huh. would, you like to, would you like to marry me on August 13th or August 20th? What day works for you, right? I mean, so I gave her a choice, that, you know, and, and I asked without fear and thank God she said yes and, 25 years later, here we are, you know? That's so, excellent. Yeah. You so 25 years? This year will be our 25th year. Yeah, can you believe it? I, I mean, have you beat by a couple years. I think we're on a 27th uh, year anniversary. Hey, congratulations. That's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's huge. You know, it's huge. It's sad. It's so many marriage. Yeah, it, it, especially these days. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's great. It's beautiful that you're, you've been married that long. And another hundred years to go, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, we're both in our fifties, so we yeah we hope to uh, live to be a hundred or so. But that'll work. Yeah, yeah, you will. So, um, so I want to. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and skip the other break because I do want to get into a few other uh, comments about uh, about Napoleon Hill. So. There is power in, in just asking, like you said, and then, you know, just with what he's saying, you know, the whole thing is about thinking that that's what I put on for the name of this show, not just because of the book being called Think and Grow Rich. But uh, when you and I had talked uh, several weeks ago um, and just talking about finance finances, what can you give people as far as a, a nugget related to their thinking specifically related to finances? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, first of all, you know, think about the fact that you can have it, right? I mean, you, like if you, if you, I mean, I don't know, maybe you just got to dream bigger, right? About what, mm -hmm. how much money you want to have. You want to be definitive of how much money you want to have. So if you say to yourself, I'm going to make $80,000 this year, what do you think you're going to get? $80,000, right? If you want a million dollars, you're going to get a million dollars. It's just, if you want to be debt free, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier and having, um, and making a decision. If you want to be debt free, make the decision and be debt free. 
you know, but most people, again, don't have that decision to be debt free and, and whatever you want to have, just make sure that you have a specific deadline. You know, everybody said, like I had this one kid, I said, all right, buddy. I said, uh, what's your, what's your goal in life? And he goes, man, I want to be a millionaire, John. I want to be a millionaire. And he says, I said, okay, great. And I said, when do you want to have that by? And he said, as soon as possible. And I said, as soon as possible. I said, by when? What soon as possible? Like, soon as possible is what, tomorrow, in a week, a month, a year or two? And he basically said, I don't know, like right away. And that's not going to work. If you want to have specifics of, if, in terms of income, like a million dollars or half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars, okay, have a definitive date. You know, if I, in fact, if I gave you um, a piece of paper, or I mean, I'm an invisible ball, and I had a piece of paper here, and this piece of paper was a target. I can have this target moving back and forth like this, or I can have it hold still. And if I ask you to throw that ball at this target, what would you rather have me do, hold it still or have it moving back and forth? You would say, hold it still. Hold right? still, right. So, yeah, why? Because it's easier to hit that way, right? So when you have a specific date as to when you want to get these goals or reach these financial goals, okay, with specificity, with a precise date. So you say, I'm going to have X dollar amount by November 2020, right? Then, yeah, keep that in your mind and then write it down everywhere and that's your deadline. And deadlines are important because once you have a deadline, it creates a sense of urgency, right? I mean, the government says that you have to file your taxes by a certain day and that day is April 15th. What if the government said, you know what, you can file your uh, taxes anytime you'd like, you know? When would we file our taxes? Probably never. So everybody's doing their taxes the night before mm -hmm. April 15th because there's a deadline, right? Right. So, Unless you file for an extension. <laughs> there you go, right? You know, but even when you do file for an extension, you know, have a, a definiteness of how much you want. Most people don't even know how much they really want and uh, what their goals are going to be for, for uh, uh, achieving financial independence. And the main thing is if you're going to be saving money, stay, start saving money early. You know, one of the things I've always told uh, my audience and people is that when it comes to money, start saving as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, the, we're all going to retire at some day, some point in the future, and you better make sure that you have enough money to retire. Because unfortunately, you know, relying on the government, on Social Security is not going to cut it. Uh, corporations who offered you a pension in the past have now shifted that burden to you, to us, to start, you know, taking care of our own personal future, financial future, by offering a 401k plan or some other type of a retirement plan or vehicle, right. and people are not, take, you know, jumping on it. So the sooner you start saving money, and one of the things I've always told people is start with 10%. You know, whatever you make, start with 10%, uh, you know, and, and just put it away, put it away, whatever right. you do. And then as you start to make more money, escalate that to 15 to 20. And then eventually, you know, you want to start saving your money. And uh, for the longest time, when we first started our business, my wife and I, we were like, you know, cash hoarders. Like we just wanted to save money and we mm -hmm. did not spend money for probably five solid years on anything. You know, we, uh, you know, we had a lot of money and we, we didn't even buy our first like multi-million dollar home, you know, until about five years ago. We just didn't want to you know, wow. you know, what if, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and one thing my mentor said to me is he said, John, if you want to go and buy something, make sure that you can pay it 
cash, like if you can afford to pay a cash, because if you can't that's, afford to pay for a cash, you, you can't, you can't afford to buy it. You know, that's something that we do try to teach the youth in some of our, our, uh, leadership programs that we do and entrepreneur programs. And, uh, that's sure. one thing that uh, we will be, I will be, we will be, our organization will be calling on you and, and other people that have been on the show because uh, our goal is by June of, of next year to raise uh, $5 million. We're, we're working toward that right now uh, and have raised some, some funds and $5 million for the youth. And so we do a lot with the homeless and people don't think about the children and the youth when, when we think of homelessness, we think of adults. And so what we, what we do is provide programs for scholarships and sponsorships for, for school and, and programs that are related to college. Some people go to college, some people don't. They take programs like some of the programs right. you offer from a financial perspective. And so raising that $5 million will go towards youth that uh, we are trying to not have them be in that homeless situation. A lot of people, whether they're in right. sex trafficking or they're in an abusive home or just their parents uh, have had lack, uh, bringing them out of those situations and giving them scholarships to be able to, to do better, whether it's, like I said, college or if there's programs that they want to go into because everybody, college is not for everybody and you can make money, as you know, without going to college. And so that right. is... That is one of our main programs for our nonprofit. Yeah, that's great. Great mission. Love it. And so we do have just a couple more minutes for our quick fire. And uh, are you ready? Okay. I'm okay, ready. So, okay. So quick fire. I'm going to say one word. Okay. And uh, just the first word that comes to your mind that's related to that word is what you'll say. And then we'll just have a little discussion about some of, some of your answers. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here we go. Uh, patience. Martial arts. Humble. Uh, need to work on it. Work, so work on it is not one word, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> one word, John. I need to work word. on it. Okay. All right. Respect. Mom. Confidence. Me. Decide. Do it. Do. See how you are. Okay. <laughs> Fear. Uh, none. Action. Now. Try. Uh, try. Uh, <laughs> one word. Oh my God. That's uh, the word you hate for people to say. So what's your, yeah, it's your like, one word answer to try? Don't. Don't. Okay. Opportunity. Great. Life. Precious. And think. Uh, Napoleon. Napoleon. Okay, good. You survived quick fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for, for patients, you mentioned martial arts. Uh, and, and why was that? Well, because when we, when my school, we talked uh, patients because it took seven years to get a black belt, seven years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, you know, for a child to stick around in some program for seven years, 
it's a long time, you know. I mean, you're going through all of your high school and all through your junior high to get a black belt, right? Mm -hmm. And so our master or our school, that was there was no exceptions to that. It was seven years. And there was another school that opened up down the street. And this the school started giving out black belts in two years. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting because we would then they would go to black belt tournaments. And tournaments are based on your level of your belt. So white belt and all the way up to black belt. So here's somebody who's going into a, a, a tournament who's been a black belt now for two years, had two years of training versus our black belts minimum was seven years. And so we always dominated all the tournaments because no one can compete with us. Okay. Because we had so much, we had, we, we were trained so much longer to be a black belt. So for us, I mean, two years, I mean, you're barely getting an orange belt. You know what I mean? It's still at the very right. bottom. Yeah, you're at the... I just want to interrupt just for one second because uh, I'm, you're going to be able to con continue your story because we're still on the recording. Uh, but sure. for Voice America, uh, they're going to sign off. And so I really appreciate uh, those of you who have listened on Voice America. And if you want to get more information related to the full interview, then uh, you can log on to my page, crystalrichardson.com, K-R-Y-S-T-Y-L-L-E, richardson.com. Thank you, Voice America. Thank you for tuning in to Soaring with Eagles. Please join Crystal Richardson again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition. Let's soar together, give back to our communities, and change the world.